crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other. other. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Angela. And we're going to tell you some fucked up stories to help your week go by a little bit easier or not. Mine's pretty, uh, mine's pretty brutal. Is it? Yours. Fuck. And then you're, well, my, yeah, mine kind of (laughs) sucks. I mean, yeah, everything we talk about kind of sucks. That's true. (laughs) Well, and you're going to go last with like the brutal. Mine's kind of brutal too, though, but in like, it's like shitty. Well, it's just shitty. We'll start you out with some brutal shitty shit and we'll finish you off with some brutal shitty shit. <laughs> okay, so I got my information from a Financial Times article by Peter Chapman. Uh, the Ooh, end of history. Do, so are you doing more financial money laundering things? Not I'll money laundering. Just let me continue. Okay. <laughs> the end of history.net had an article and worldatlas.com and then unitedfruit.org. So you remember way back when we got our sibling tattoos and then uh-huh. we went to a family gathering and we had uh-huh. that brutal argument where I told you you can't eat bananas anymore and you were basically like, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to keep eating bananas. And I was like, no, they're causing all kinds of humanitarian issues and you got to stop. And then I was like, I don't want to be related to you anymore. And then you were like, too bad. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, vaguely, but apparently you remember it very well. <laughs> Well, today I'm going to tell you why you can't eat fucking bananas. (laughs) God damn Uh it. Particularly Chiquita bananas. Please don't buy Chiquita bananas. Chiquita bananas, I'm here to say. Don't Don't eat bananas bananas every day. Because they're fucking the world up. Okay, so here's the story about how United Fruit Company fucked up the world. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I'm I'm going to talk about like part of it, but it goes so much deeper. I'm not even going to get into like the pesticides used that have like caused people in Central and South America to be infertile and like caused like all kinds of health issues. Like I'm not even going to get into that part, like maybe some other day, but it's like so much. I'm just going to get into kind of the how United Fruit like basically fucked up all these countries. I'm so mad at you for ruining bananas. <laughs> you can you can eat bananas, <laughs> but only ones that are like locally, you know, like community based where they're like getting the bananas from the banana farmers and then bringing them here. And like, where the hell are there banana farmers here? No, like Central and South America, but they're working (laughs) now. You have more banana choices now. You just have to make like the right choice. Just don't get Chiquita bananas. Don't get big. Don't get Dole. Don't get Chiquita. That's all. Like boycott big companies. Just do it. 
Okay, just uh, make the right choice in your banana selection. Choose the right bananas. <laughs> okay, okay, and you'll see why. You'll see why. So, early Monday, February 3rd, 1975, a man threw himself out of his office window from the 44th floor above Park Avenue, New York. He. Oh, that's a long fall. Yeah, he grabbed his briefcase, like broke through the window, and then threw it out, and then he jumped. What? That's weird. Surprisingly, no one else was hurt, and the body landed away from the road. So, I mean, amazing that no one else was hurt. Was the briefcase destroyed? I mean, what the hell's the point of dropping, jumping with a briefcase? He was a businessman. You gotta go with your (laughs) briefcase. You like throw it down. Not just the outfit. You gotta go out with the uh, the dignity of wearing a nice suit. You throw it out. A portal opens up. You jump right through with your briefcase. It's like the businessman's way to go. Okay. I mean, if he was expecting a portal, then I could see that. No, but... I think he was expecting to die, which he did. So, the okay. man <laughs> the man who jumped uh, was Eli Black. He was chief executive of United Fruit Company, which sold bananas since the late 19th century. United Fruit dominated business and politics in Central America. It was the first truly multinational modern corporation that was spreading the spirit of liberal capitalism, which bullshit. Liberal capitalism. Hmm. Yeah. So this company became way too influential over small countries, which were often ruled by corrupt dictators. Mm-hmm. So places like Guatemala, Panama, Honduras, they incentivized the growth and influence of United Fruit, where bananas made up to 60% of their total exports. Holy shit. I mean, holy bananas. (laughs) This shit is bananas. (laughs) So, the United Fruit Company and the dictators worked out an exchange where the dictators would repress the organization of labor forces and like unions and stuff while the United Fruit Company acted as a doorway to international markets for their largest exports. So the dictators are like, don't worry, we'll destroy all of your workers if they ever try to like ask for human rights and, you know, proper work environments. And United Fruit was like, we'll sell your bananas. Cool. We got this. So United Fruit is the reason why banana republics exist. Like literally (laughs) banana republics. So wow. The man the man who jumped out of the window, he was a family man and then he had bribed the Honduran president, Oswaldo Lopez. Ariano with $1.25 million to get him to pull out of a banana cartel which opposed United oh. Fruit. So this guy who's I like... Just, is this just like... It sounds like you're telling a story and then just like transposing words like fruit into it. Like you're telling some kind yeah. of like military no, story and instead like of being gangster like... gangster bullshit. Yeah. Cartel. So weird. No. It's yes. like fucking insane. <laughs> and speaking of cartels, like there's a huge uh, avocado cartel situation happening in Mexico. Don't say that So be careful with the avocados that you're buying. Those you can buy like, you know, California avocados if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. 
So you just can't get them year-round, which it's a summer thing, so don't buy it year-round. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So this story about him uh, bribing the Honduran president was about to come out in the press. So the... Also, United Fruits Central American plantations were struggling because there was like a huge hurricane and it damaged like a lot of that their banana plantations. And there was also this disease that would like infest the roots of the banana plant. So it would block it from getting water and then the banana Ooh. the banana plants would just die. So they had to abandon like huge banana planta- plantations plantations. <laughs> banana plantation. So he obviously is facing a lot of stress, and so he decided to jump. And I guess he had a reputation of being a highly moral man, but then he's, like, bribing people, so I don't think so. (laughs) So Wall Street didn't react well to him killing himself because the company's shares crashed, and then regulators Mm. seized its books to prevent its further violation of the law. So the company subsequently disappeared from view and seemingly was erased. But then, so United Fruit no longer exists, but they're now rebranded as Chiquita Bananas with the little woman with the hat that was like. No way. Yeah. That was United Fruits? Yeah. United Fruit Company is now Chiquita Bananas. Don't buy Chiquita or Dole. Dole probably has like very similar history. So. Let's talk about Cuba. Should I say it Cuba or Cuba? (laughs) I don't know, but you said Cuba. Let's go with that. Okay, let's go go with that. I think that's how you say it. (laughs) Okay, so you know how the U.S. is like, oh, you're communist, we're not going to work with you? Uh Uh-huh. So when (laughs) Fidel Castro was on the rise and the Cuban Revolution of the late 1950s was happening, in particular the Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba in 1961, Mm -hmm. so the U.S. government in the Bay of Pigs was trying to overthrow Castro. But then this led to the Cuban Missile Crisis, where it was like, oh my god, they have missiles, and then it's going to be like a huge war and whatever. So... They're, like, aiming their nuclear weapons at us, and then we're, like, aiming them at them, and now we're, like, who's going to push the button first? And then everyone's, like, (laughs) freak the fuck out because, like, what the fuck? It had a lot to do with bananas. (gasps) That's bananas. It's fucking bananas. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the beginning of the United Fruit Company. Okay. It started in in 1870 when miner Cooper Keith, a wealthy New Yorker traveled to Costa Rica to work on a railroad project that his uncle Henry Meigs was building for the national government of Costa Rica. Um, mm. He was looking for cheap food for his workers, so he planted banana trees along the railroad tracks. But Whoa. during this, like, we all know that it's really difficult to grow, I mean, to grow railroads. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult. No matter how you water and water, they just don't grow very fast. <laughs> I mean, here in the States, we have, and especially in California, we have our own, like, railroad history of a lot of people dying. And uh, so it's really hard work. It's super dangerous. Yeah. It's a lot of really difficult work conditions. So nearly 5,000 men, including the including Keith's uncle, died. Wow. So Keith took charge in 1874. 
So he finally finishes the railroad. And after all that work and all those deaths, very few people actually used the train. So it wasn't profitable. Oh, no. So then he decided to export bananas instead from all the plantations that he had created along the railroads. Wow. That's kind of, I mean... That's kind of cool. Like, that's like your backup business plan, even if you didn't know it was. Yeah, you're like side hustle. Oh, I'm just planting them just so that we have food to eat while we're working. Just so I don't have to like pay to actually feed these people. We're just going to like eat a banana. (laughs) Like, what the hell? (laughs) Full of all your daily vitamins and nutrients. Lots of potassium. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So the first shipment of bananas to the U.S. was a huge success. People fucking loved bananas. And in 1980, he was married to the daughter of a former president of Costa Rica, and he owned a vast banana plantation, many plantations, and then the state also gave him a bunch of land. So he's doing great. the banana king. He's the banana king of Costa Rica. So bananas were shipped to New Orleans and Boston, And soon the demand was huge. Everyone wanted bananas. They were exotic. They were like super luxury that only rich people could afford. It is like this amazing fruit they had never seen before. Bananas for bananas. (laughs) They went bananas for bananas. (laughs) They did. So he was running out of supply because the demand was so huge. So Keith teamed up with Andrew Preston who was a Boston importer, and in nineteen in 1899, they formed United Fruit. So bananas United were like... United Fruits of America, but not America. Not, I mean, Central United America. United Fruits of, of, yeah. Well, also, Central America was like rebranded. I don't know if I get into this, but it was like rebranded as Central America to like oh. make it seem like part of... There was like this whole thing to make it seem... I don't know. I don't know. It was like... It wasn't Central America until they were like, we need to, for bananas sake, we need to make it. So it's like <laughs> part of us now. So it doesn't for seem the bananas so like sake. different or separate or what I don't know. So hmm. United Fruit starts like producing a shit ton of bananas. So obviously the prices start going down because they're like flooding the market with bananas. So they basically created a mass market in industrial cities of the U.S., Northeast and Midwest. So United Fruit dominated the industry with 90% control of banana imported bananas imported to the US. <laughs> they soon controlled the European market as well. They're like expanding. Wow. And then people like they all just like they started kind of like grabbing all the other competitors through Central America and just like bringing them in so they were just like buying up everyone so basically they were the main the only pretty much the only supplier of bananas you wanted that luxury fruit you had to get it through them huh by 1930 united fruit was the largest employer in south america they owned more land than anyone else in guatemala wow Across Central America and the Caribbean, United Fruit owned more than 3.5 million acres. Oh, my God. They they basically just dominated, like, different parts of the world where they could grow bananas. They owned the largest private Navy fleet in the world, and it was called the Great White Fleet because... Uh I don't like that. It was, like, refrigerator. It's, like, a big... 
fleet of like refrigerator boats, basically. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. But because they're like transporting so many bananas. Wow. And they're fucking rich as fuck. And as you'll get into in just a minute, they get involved in military shit all the fucking time. What? Yeah. <laughs> Do they just like throw bananas at you or? Oh what? no, like... it gets violent. No, no. Oh no. They use real guns, not like the pretend banana <gasps> guns, like when you're little, and you go pew pew. No. Of all the fruits and vegetables, I'd say the banana is the best pretend gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, did you know that there are no. more than 300 varieties of banana? I think I've only just seen the one. Yeah. Oh, and the little ones. Those little, little ones, yeah. you know? But they're like... The bitties. What are those called? <laughs> plantains? Oh, yeah. I don't, plantains? I don't... No, I don't no. think plantains are bananas. I don't think that's a banana. <laughs> they're God delicious, though. They you fry fun. those things up. Mm, delicious. Okay. What are the little ones called? Well, the only reason, the reason why I've only seen one was because United Fruit only grew one type of banana. Ah. It was called the Gross Michael, G-R-O-S, Gro- <laughs> Gross Michael, or the- Ew, Michael. Or it's called Big Mike, but you're supposed to Ew. say Big Mac, I think. What? But then McDonald's was like, you can't do that, so now you call it Big Mike. <laughs> They're like, we got the Big Mac since 1870-whatever-the-fuck. And they're like, no. <laughs> so the this this banana was, like, the most suited to the most people. It wasn't too big mm. or too small, too yellow <laughs> okay. or too sweet. If anything, it was a little bland. Don't you want to try yeah. the other bananas? <laughs> yes, now I want to try all I want to try, like, the tiny bananas and the sweet bananas and, and the super yellow bananas. Do you think that there's like a place, like a wine tasting place, where it's like a banana tasting, and you just go and they we bring have you to go slices of bananas? Yeah, we'll have to go somewhere in Central America where they're rebuilding their banana plantations, and they have like a variety. So the Let's go. so the Big Mac was like the forerunner to what we have today. Okay. So, in 1903. Like I said, there was a huge disease that struck the banana plants in Panama. <laughs> yeah. That was difficult to say. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so there were like a bunch of diseases that kept attacking the bananas, and the banana was discovered to have a genetic weakness. Its seeds are ill-equipped for reproduction, so growers take cuttings from one plant to create another. So each time Cloning. you clone it, it gets kind of yeah. weaker and weaker because it's just more and more inbred. Right. So they're not, like, super resilient. Huh. Um, and just, like, as a little aside, in 2003, new scientists reported that the banana was dying and might have only a decade to live. What? Genetic modification scientists have been called in to save it, but so far without <gasps> success. Wait. That was in 2003? Yeah. So it's so outlived. where are these bananas coming from? the car well it's outlived their projections but it's like a dying a dying plant whoa i'm feeling so conflicted (laughs) i love bananas now you're not allowing me to have bananas okay well maybe here's part of why you love bananas so much there was a huge marketing campaign To push bananas onto, like, United States and and Europe. They were saying that they're, like, super good for your health. They're cures for obesity, blood pressure, constipation, and depression. They fucking cure everything. 
What? <laughs> In 1929, United Fruit set up its own education department, which supplied U.S. schools with teaching kits, talking about the benefits of bananas and the good works of the company. Well, that's kind of like the whole um, propaganda that carrots give you better eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it was like something about like the government created that because during like World War II two or something there was like a surplus of of carrots carrots. and they were like oh yeah they're like the cure they make you 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 could see in the dark you could see like miles with carrots yeah it's like not true it's like this like bananas (laughs) except for bananas cure everything not just eyesight they cure everything right so while so they're teaching kids in school about like the great the greatness of the banana and then they also had like a home economics department where they were like throwing out all these recipes for housewives to be like, oh, you have to make all these, like, banana recipes. That's why you have, like, bananas and everything. Mm. And one of their most successful advertising campaigns began in 1944, which was uh, when they brought in Senorita Chiquita Banana. (laughs) And she was a cartoon banana who would dance and sing. She was a banana? Yeah, she was a banana originally who would dance and sing. (laughs) And she was kind of, she kind of resembled Carmen Miranda, who was the Brazilian entertainer with the the fruit hat that everyone loves so much. So... So this was during 1944, so during the Second World War. And so obviously, like, the sales of bananas were down. So when they introduced Senorita Chiquita, the sales began to go up again because everyone loved that fucking hat. And they were like, we have to to get this banana that wears this, like, fucking fruit hat or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Uh, uh, I have, like, so many questions, but go ahead. Okay. So then in 1960... The banana became a morning breakfast item. It was, like, always yeah. alongside of cereal for, like, every American child. Oh, it's so good in Cheerios. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good marketing campaign right there. You can't have breakfast without bananas. <laughs> yeah, you got to start your day off. It cures all your ailments before you get to school or work. That's right. That's right. So today... The banana has surpassed the apple as the most popular fruit in the U.S. and Britain. Wow, banana. You go, girl. In the U.K., (laughs) more than 95% of households buy bananas every week. Yeah, I believe. I mean, yeah. And they spend more money. Everyone has bananas. They spend more money on bananas than any other supermarket item, except for gas and lottery tickets. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, a banana is almost like a complete meal. Well, that's what that one on dude was telling his worker. <laughs> they're like, I'm so hungry. He's like, just yeah. eat more bananas. You, you'll like they're cure kind all of your filling. <laughs> yeah, they're filling. They cure everything. Well, except for if they, like, you know, make you poop, and then you can't really. I was just going to say, I don't know about that. I always thought that they made you not poop. That they are constipating? Yeah. Bananas? I don't know. I don't Maybe know. Maybe I just made that up. I always thought apples were the diarrhea makers of the fruit world, and Are bananas you, like, were the plugs. Are you allergic to apples? What's happening <laughs> I think there? So. <laughs> <laughs> apples should not have that effect. 
Yeah, I got some problems. <laughs> Dude, speaking of allergies, when I was in Sacramento, uh, dad brought out like dessert cookies and I was like, okay, I'll just have one. And mom's like, you can't eat that. There Uh-oh. are almonds in it. And I was like, I don't care. It's not that big of a deal. So I ate one. And then the next day I like broke out a bunch. I was like, why am I breaking out? And then I was like, oh, fucking almond. You did that to yourself. I did. Now I'm like all broken out <laughs> over fucking almonds. I love almonds and I can't eat them or I look like a mess. Sad. Everything has almonds in it too. Is there an almond conspiracy? Uh, I don't know. I should look into that because I think there probably is. I mean, California. And then you'll feel better about yourself not being able to eat them. You'll be like, yeah, I'm doing it on principle, not because my body hates them. Well, I've heard that it takes <laughs> like a gallon of water. For every almond yeah. or something crazy like that. It's insane and amount of water. California is like a huge exporter of almonds where we're like always yep. in a fucking drought. Sacramento yep. has like a huge almond. They're a huge exporter of almonds and there's always a drought. So yeah, almonds are a problem. <laughs> Stop putting almonds in everything. <laughs> Everyone's using almond oil and everything. I can't fucking buy any products with almond oil. I can't like, you know, and speaking of products without <laughs> almond of. oil, non-allergy <laughs> products. Check out HumblebeeHerbal.com for all of your bath and body needs. They don't use almond oil. They don't use palm oil. They use only good, all-natural ingredients. They don't use any chemicals. Check them out. It's worth it. Your skin will thank you later. HumblebeeHerbal.com Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Yeah. HumblebeeHerbal.com Crimeany20 at checkout. So, over the years, United Fruit fought hard for lower taxes and, like, barely any regulations. So, by the beginning of the 20th century, antitrust laws were passed in the U.S. to crack down on businesses' behaviors like price fixing and monopolies, which, thank God, that still exists. Not. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) There were taxes on large corporations so that they could fund welfare benefits in the U.S. Wouldn't that be nice if that was still happening? Oh, yeah. And welfare states in Europe. But with a center of operation far from the lawmakers of Washington, D.C., United Fruit basically avoided all these huge taxes because they were, like, basically based in Central and South America. Mostly Central America. So now we're going to go into United Fruit meddling in different countries. We're going to start with Honduras. (sighs) I'm just picturing, like, banana fingers. They're going to chop off your little banana fingers. No, because... and they're, like, meddling with your banana fingers. <laughs> it's not like as funny. Touching all the things. It's not the... cute no? or funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I tried to tell you, like, years ago. Well, look, I got indoctrinated into propaganda of bananas. Yeah, you did. You got swept up in the breakfast banana. I love a breakfast banana. <laughs> God damn it. Use it for your depression. I mean, it's, you don't need antidepressants. Yeah. You just need bananas. Yeah, I, I swallow an entire banana every day. Ew. Like a pill. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh, I like gags. Just think about that. <laughs> don't do that. If that's what you do, yeah. I would advise against it. No, it's probably a choking hazard. <laughs> Teach Zephyr to do a Heimlich and then you're okay. Okay. So the company gained a reputation as being ruthless when crossed and acted to remove governments that didn't comply with its wishes. It would remove entire governments. Well, there sounds like they're huge. Yeah, huge. And they could basically do whatever they want. And they're like, oh, this government's not going to allow us to do what we want. 
We'll just remove you. So its first like major flex was on Honduras in 1911. United Fruit invaded Honduras. And this invasion was planned. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. What? This invasion was planned by Sam the Banana Man Zemurray. No. Did he just like put a bunch of banana peels all over the town so everyone was slip, slip, slipping? Like, whoa, I keep whoa, telling whoa, whoa. you, it's not funny, Banana Man. God damn it! <laughs> he united, he invaded a whole country. Invaded. So he was a business partner of United Fruit, and later he would become the head of the company, but right now he's just part of it. So in Honduras, the government became con- uh, concerned at how much power and control United Fruit the United Fruit had over yeah. the market. So Honduras and the governments in places. What yeah. The fuck? So Honduras started restricting the rights of international businesses from operating on Honduran soil. Which Good. fucking yeah. Yeah. But United Fruit was like, uh, fuck you. We don't care. So Zamure Zamure He financed Zemure. an invasion. Who's he again? He's one of the banana people. He was a partner. He was a banana. Ah. He was the banana man. The banana man, right? The banana okay. man. Yeah. Partner. Maybe mm-hmm. I should just call him the banana man. But then you're gonna yeah, picture like a cartoon man. banana man. I am. And I am. It's not I am. <laughs> Get out of my head. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. So he financed an invasion led by people like General Lee Christmas. General was These a key- self-appointed title. He wasn't really a general. That the that the fruit industry uh, gave him i don't know maybe it's like the banana man the general and then Uh there's also a person named guy machine gun maloney (laughs) so you got the banana man the general and the machine gun (laughs) teaming up okay it's starting to sound even more like a fiction i know i know but it's not So the Banana Man and his mercenaries, they put their own man in power over Honduras, who quickly gave them tax-free concession of land for banana growth. Hold up. They're just like, uh, the real person in charge of Honduras is like, uh, no, you guys can't do this. And they're like, "Mm, we're just going to hire our own president or dictator or whatever, and then only listen to this person that's not even legally appointed by your government. Well, they invaded, and they probably, like, you know, got the the guy out who's just trying to look out for his country and Uh his fellow people. This is how the world fucking went downhill. Yeah, it's how it is now. It is. Corporations Mm -hmm. rule the world. Dudes like Zamuri the Banana Man just go in, and they're like, we don't like you ruling because you're trying to look out for your people. We're going to put our own little puppet in charge. Shit. So for the next decade... The Banana Man's railroads were constructed across the country as he organized massive banana plantations with the best land that the government just handed over to him. So, Mm. like, Hondurans who maybe need to farm to live don't have access to this land. Instead, this asshole gets it all. Banana money. So, by 1930... Zamure's company was one of oh he was doing a different he was had a different company so he was one of United Fruit's largest competitors but then the two companies merged and then he became the leader of United Fruit they're like we like what you're doing over there so do more of that take their land kill their people pick your own dictators you're doing a good job 
So then basically as they expanded, obviously when corporations take control, the haves and have-nots really divide. So Honduras became a country of haves and have-nots as opposed to like, you know, more equal, looking out for the people, let's have local businesses Mm -hmm. here, let's have local people running our businesses here. Instead it became the Banana Man and United Fruit taking over and then basically everyone else is like fucking poor unless you're a dictator. Ugh, God, I hate people. So like I said, (laughs) farmers weren't allowed to have like the best agricultural lands and they were all given to United Fruit and then... So just the entire country suffers. Yes. And then these these evil people that aren't even from there taking over, Mm -hmm. they are reaping in the benefits of banana money. Yep. So United Fruit had a class of wealthy, powerful people who just kept paying off the government to maintain their grip of power and control over Honduras. So this is why... And it was one of those things where it was like, you either accept our bribes or we'll just take you out anyway yeah. and then we'll just take over. So you might as well just accept the money and yeah, let be. us do our, what we want. Yeah, for sure. We have a whole Ugh. fucking Navy fleet that's bigger than any in the world. We can just take oh, you the fuck have, out. God. And this is like... we got banana boats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so a lot of these countries I'm going to talk about are still struggling today with, like, the extreme power difference in the haves and the have-nots, like, the the extreme poverty of people who maybe never would have been – actually, I'm going to say they never would have been this poor if it hadn't been for United Fruit coming in and fucking up their shit. Right. They would have been able to, like, live comfortably, and if they were, like, farming, they could have farmed, and, you know, this story just pisses me off so much, and it's just, like, classic. bullshit Mm -hmm. behavior so that was honduras now we're going to talk about guatemala by 1901 united fruit was already in control of guatemala's post office oh Uh uh-huh in 1904 the guatemalan dictator manuel estrada cabrera granted the company a 90-year concession to construct and manage the country's rail line so they're in charge of the post office, and they're, like, building railroads, and they're, like, taking all their land for bananas. Oh, my God. So they also they also got to have a lot of monopolies and make sure that no local or international competitors could, could get into the company's, like, holdings within Guatemala. So they had mm-hmm. it just, like, locked down. Damn. So in some instances, local farmers were not even allowed to access roads to transport their fruit what at other times the company demolished railroad tracks when they were done using them so that other people couldn't use them or profit from them fucking dicks yeah for the next i mean they're not doing it to like build infrastructure for like the guatemalan people clearly it's for their own business. They're like, we're going to hire money. all of you people here to, like, build our railroads and fucking die while you're building them because they're really hard and, you know, labor intensive. And I'm sure they're working all hours of the night. And then as for soon as you're done pay, building them, probably. when we're done using them, we're going to blow them up so you don't get to use them. Oh, God. For the next several decades, the United States government and military frequently involved itself in affairs of Guatemala. And the interests of United Fruit Company, specifically to put down or like labor organizations. So like unions. Oh, yeah. They're like squashing the unions. 
Even as this occurred, the partnership between the company and the new leaders in Guatemala resulted in higher levels of corruption and more land and railroads for the company. I'm very upset right now. Dude, it's infuriating. (laughs) It's infuriating that these people can just go in and fuck up people's... Like, leave them alone. If you want to buy their bananas, then pay them, like, an actual wage to, like, grow bananas. Buy their bananas from them and then bring them to your home. Like, why are you fucking up their Mm -mm. shit so badly? Because it's greed. Well, it's it's greed and I think it's racism, too. Oh, for sure. You, like... Okay, so in 1941, the company hired a new consultant, Sigmund Freud's nephew, Edward Bernays. Weird. Uh, Well, it's because he is responsible for using psychoanalysis in the marketplace. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's what... So the the beginnings of psychoanalysis, which is what people use all the time. It's like why you get brainwashed by, like, advertising. Exactly, yeah. They know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, so he's known as the father of public relations. Hmm. Um, He wrote a book in 1928 called Propaganda, which argued that it was the duty of the intelligent minority of society to (gasps) manipulate the unthinking group mind. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Piece of shit. What a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> well, he said it was for the sake of freedom and democracy. Well, yeah, you can't have these dumb, dumb, poor people making decisions. No, you gotta, you gotta manipulate, manipulate them. them. They to don't do what you want. Because they don't know. They really don't know. It's what for their own freedom. Yeah, they don't know any better. They would just choose ignorant, dumb things. Like we gotta tell them what to choose because we are the the minority of smart people yeah they would choose things like universal health care and Ew, like helping one another out gross what about cor- who wants that that's not freedom yeah, what about corporations freedom to spend my money the way i want to fucking spend it on boats and yachts and private jets and shit yeah yeah anyway fuck sorry. those poor people <laughs> <laughs> this whole story just makes me so mad so mad okay and like i said i don't even get into the pesticide part that's like a whole nother thing it's tragic and awful and the things that they said about people from Central America just being like racist and it's just awful. So anyway, we're going to stick to this horrible part where they're just destroying countries. I hate this story. And then, I know, I hate it too. <laughs> Tell me more. This is why you can't eat bananas. Okay. So United Fruit became concerned about its image. In Central America, it was known as El Pulpo, which means the octopus. Right. Because it had its tentacles everywhere. Uh-huh. It's banana uh-huh. arms, if you will. Will you? In the U... No. I will. <laughs> banana arms. An octopus with banana arms. I feel like... Okay, this might be an aside. You can cut this or whatever. But I feel like on your free time, which you don't have, you should draw out some of these things <laughs> that we talk about when we like, make things. You should make an octopus with banana arms. Yeah. It'd be cute. Banana puss. We can like make them into pins and shit. Okay, back to this. <laughs> so, yes, I will. Banana-armed octopus. Thank you. El Popo. Okay. So, in the U.S., United Fruits territories were seen as troubled and forbidding. But, under Bernays' guidance, the company began issuing a steady flow of information in the media to manipulate about its work and they rebranded... Oh, this is this is what I was talking about. So they rebranded the region as Middle America mm. to make it seem like, oh, no, we're all together in this. Like, right. no, it's fine. 
That's, I mean, good marketing. Yep. Like, look, they're coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's local. Learning. Yeah. It's all part of us. We're all the same. We all, we care about each other. We're, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're just yeah. like, I mean, going and in there honestly, and, and we're just doing it for you guys because bananas cure everything. So we're just trying That's to right. get bananas to the masses. We just want them to be affordable for wow. everyone to eat bananas. Yeah. <laughs> So after World War II, new leadership in Guatemala sought to curb the company's influence and restore the balance of power to the citizens instead of to the outsiders. A new labor code was introduced, which demanded improved working conditions uh, for the people. Uh And while this was happening in Guatemala, back in the U.S., the company began to accuse Guatemala's government... Of being influenced by communists. <gasps> That's the yep, hot button. Fucking classic gaslighting mm-hmm. behavior where it's just like, don't look at us. Look over there. They're communists. Like, they're crazy. We're using, not crazy. We're not evil. And then using that, the C word that everyone's terrified of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why the fuck is everyone so scared of that word? I just, uh, mm-hmm. like fucking... That's enough to get people all yep. riled up to be like, oh, they're communists when really they're just trying to like protect their people and take their land back well they can't say that then they'd be like oh maybe uh (laughs) maybe we are wrong (laughs) el pulpo banana sucks (laughs) (laughs) so uh several senators were brought in and began proclaiming that propaganda that the communists had taken over guatemala (laughs) They warned that the behavior of the Guatemalan government was putting U.S. business interests, specifically United Fruit, at risk. Which, fuck them. Who cares? They're, like, fucking up. Like, good for you, Guatemala. And then, no. So, in 1951, Jacobo Arbenz was elected to the presidency of Guatemala. He immediately began instituting reforms to curb the company's power and restore sovereignty, control, and profits to the people of Guatemala, where it should have been all along. In turn, Uh United Fruit whined to the U.S. government, (laughs) and they're like, it's no fair. They're doing, like, all this stuff to make it so that we can't just abuse their people. Yeah. And then they These small-minded people, they don't know what they're doing. We need propaganda down here to tell the people that, like, we're just doing it for them. They're like the little tattletales. Yeah. Which, so then he, like, was a little tattletale (laughs) and then advised... The U.S. government advised publicly that our Benz was a Soviet puppet, <laughs> and this was the first step to the communists making inroads in the Western Hemisphere. Wow. I fucking hate this so much. I would rather have communists here than what we have right now, which is fucking fascist, but I won't even... Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they weren't even communists. They were just looking out for their people, doing the right thing, doing right by their community. Right. Oh, I fucking hate United Fruit. Okay. Me too. I'm so, I'm so angry. angry. <laughs> I'm so angry. God damn it. Oh, happy holidays. Get pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> All I'm saying is money has power. If everyone just united and boycotted this shit, then we could actually speak with our money. Mm-hmm. We would actually have a say in this. If you stop buying from Amazon, mm-hmm. if you stop buying Chiquita Bananas, if you stop buying from Dole, like we can all say something with this. Yep. 
But I, but it's just like convenience and people not paying attention. I don't know. Well, and people not knowing. Like I didn't know all this shit, even though apparently you yelled at me about it years ago. But like, dude, I thought that our <laughs> siblingship was gonna end that day. I was so mad. And mom was like, "You need to get over it because you are siblings and you are like family and you need to stop." And I was like, "No, he's not gonna stop buying bananas." <laughs> I was pissed. Oh. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to rip this elephant right off my skin. <laughs> I don't even want it anymore. Damn. Yeah. Okay, so in 1954, Bernays exercised his manipulative powers to get rid of the Guatemalan government. <sighs> They're like, you won't play ball. Bye-bye. Shit. So he called on a journalist for a fact Finding mission, that's quotes, in Central America, and in particular Guatemala, where they chased false stories of gunfire and bombs. <laughs> and like back in the US, Guatemala became a place gripped by communist terror. That's what they're telling them. So that's because Bernays had journalists who were like, oh, my God, there's so much gunfire and bombs and it's just like uncivilized over here. And there's like communists. And so it's just fighting constantly. And they won't let us grow which our bananas think, in peace. Yeah, which made me think of like what was happening recently in I mean, everywhere, yeah. though, everywhere where it's like you hear all these stories here in the States where like, oh, my God, that place is so dangerous. Yeah. Like there's all this like violence happening. And then you go there and you're like, where? what the fuck? Like, no, there isn't. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? It's just like all lies and manipulation for like rich people to get richer. Yeah. Just over it. Yeah. I hate money. Yeah. They also staged a military coup armed, trained, and organized by the CIA. Oh my God. What? Against Arbenz. And all he was trying to do was kick United Fruit out and support his Guatemalan people. Uh, I'm so upset I'm so by this. Fucking mad. <laughs> the the rebels invaded from neighboring Honduras, which the U.S. and United Fruit had controlled already, and Arbenz was toppled and exiled. Oh my. He God. died in Mexico in 1971. Wow. And all he did was try and be like a good leader for his country. Wow. And they kicked him the fuck out. People who didn't belong there kicked him out. On top of all that, the coup destabilized Guatemala for decades. And more than 200,000 people were killed in the resulting violence. Oh, my So God. the U.S. coming in and being an army and the government for the corporation help spawn widespread appeal of communist revolution through Central and South America way into the 1980s. So well, because they so... pointed their finger and they're like, oh, communist, communist. Well, it's like you're saying, yeah, like... you point your finger and you're like, look, terrorists or communists or whatever the key mm -hmm. hot button, hot button, hot key, hot, what? The, uh, the hot, hot word, what? you know, the like the uh -huh. button key, the button key, the, buzz the buzzword. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the button key hot word button key i think that's what it was oh my god what is wrong with me um dude it's hard to talk but then you I'm like but then you look right at now. like basically every war i mean mm -hmm. that we've kind of caused or been involved in 
you, you yes. look at who made all the money and it's all these like huge corporations that make tons mm-hmm. of money while other people die. And who was dying? The, the poor, poor people, people. Yep. who had to either fight the war because they had no choice or who were being invaded yep. and murdered. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Icky. So during the Guatemalan crisis, John Foster Duels, one of the world's most esteemed statesmen, was secretary of state. His brother, Alan Duels, was head of the CIA. Both were former legal advisors to United Fruit. Hmm. Interesting. If you work in a big-ass corporation like this, you shouldn't have any position in the government Mm, at all, ever. You shouldn't be able to have any connections with any kind of giant company. Mm -hmm. So together, the Duels brothers orchestrated the coup, and that happened in 1954. So then United Fruit... So, okay, so United Fruit had, like, a really bad reputation, obviously, but they would, like, make these philanthropic gestures to be like, no, no, we're a great company. Like, we don't know what you're talking Mm. about. So Eli Black, the man who jumped out of the window, Mm. he played part in coining the term corporate social responsibility. So what happened was Nicaragua had an earthquake in 1972. So the company sent earthquake relief Mm -hmm. to them. Okay. As like their responsibility, their social responsibility. Oh, fucking disgusting like, piece of shit. Enough. Like you came and decimated an area and mm-hmm. fucked over an entire country, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, look, the earthquake. We'll give you some bandages and some water. Don't worry, we're good people. We're just here for we'll you. We'll throw paper towel rolls at yeah. you and then fucking peace out. We're here for you. Like the, you guys really need to start supporting uh-huh. us because we're supporting you. Ew. Yeah. Abusive tactics. Yes. They're super abusive. And in in the 1930s, Sam the Banana Man, (laughs) the Murray, donated part of his fortune to a children's clinic in New Orleans. He later gave $1 million to the city's Tulane University to finance Middle American research. What? And he also funded a Harvard professorship for women. So he's like, no, no, I'm not a bad guy. I didn't just fucking topple over, you know, a Honduran government that was trying to just look out for its people. No, no, I gave my fortune that I got from destroying a country. I donated some of it. It's fine. And not only that, but I donated it to the country that came and decimated them. I'm not even donating it to them and like things to help them. But it was for Middle America research. Oh my god, you piece of shit. Uh, how about they research how you fucked them over? That's the research I'd like to see, but I doubt those projects are getting approved. <laughs> so, now we're going to talk about Colombia. In Colombia, one of the most famous events is known as the Banana Massacre. Oh, shit. They weren't massacring bananas, okay. they were massacring yeah, people. Shit. A large group of United Fruit workers gathered to protest the working conditions and demand change. I think they were asking for like a six-day work week and like an eight-hour work Oh, my God. Totally reasonable shit. The U.S., afraid of communism, <gasps> demanded the Colombian government take action. Uh-uh. So the Colombian government had a military response where the military was told to spare no ammunition <gasps> in putting down the protests. What? The death count from the resulting massacre reached as high as 3,000, although exact numbers are impossible to know. What? 
just a bunch of people who are like, we want, you know, fair, right. We want fair working conditions and like rights. And then the government just like shot them down and murdered them for asking for like a livable situation. Fuck. So the banana massacre is reported to have inspired various rebel and revolutionary movements yeah, throughout the country. I can see why. <laughs> and so it like yeah, it spurred on a lot of people to be like, look, the only way to stop this is through revolution. Yeah, and it's gonna and if like, they can just they're and, killing us. Yeah, we're gonna have to we need arm to, ourselves like, fight and back. fight back because obviously even just peaceful protesting, asking for livable wages or like livable conditions or hours. That's not even livable. Six, six days a week. No, I think that was this protest. There was another, there were like plenty of protests that happened. There was another one. I don't know if it was this one or another one that that's what they're, no, it was this one. Yeah. Six days a week and, um, eight hours a day. And they're asking for the elimination of food coupons, which I'm guessing they were like giving them instead of pay. Maybe I don't really know. Whoa. But that, yeah. So that, that implies that they, they've been working seven days a week and longer than eight hours a day. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's disgusting. Yep. So two of these revolutionaries that were inspired by this Colombian uh, massacre, were Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Cuba. The United Fruits activities caused anti-U.S. feelings in Central America, obviously. (laughs) Makes sense. And they wanted revolution. Yeah. So Washington began to take away some of United Fruits' land. Um... Ironically, Castro benefited from the presence of United Fruit in Cuba. His father was a sugar planter, Mm. and he leased land from the company and made enough money to bring his kids up in, like, a comfortable house, Uh. comfortable living. Guevara had fought both United Fruit and the CIA during the Guatemalan coup. He he maintained thereafter that Central America had no choice but an armed struggle. I kind of agree. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to do it the the, like governmental way. They Mm -hmm. elected people that they believed in. And the U.S. government and the CIA just came in and like murdered their people Mm. and put whoever they want in charge. So at New Year in 1959, Castro and Guevara seized power in Cuba And when communist revolutionaries overthrew the U.S.-supported puppet regime of Fulgencio Batista, Mm -hmm. they also threw United Fruit Company out, too. They're like, fuck off. We are done. Yeah. After this, the United Fruit Company was really upset. So they tried to get the CIA and the American government against Castro. Uh. This is why it's not communism why the U.S. was like, oh, no one's allowed to go to Cuba anymore. It's over fucking bananas. So in 1961, the Bay of Pigs invasion happened where many CIA and Cuban exiles landed on Cuba aboard ships and boats belonging to the United Fruit Company's Great White Fleet. Oh, my God. Banana boats. Yeah, and when the Bay of Pigs failed, Castro said that Cuba would never become another Guatemala. Oh my. He also planted himself solidly in the Soviet Union camp uh, of influence in response. So the following year, the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. So it's basically like he, Castro's like, fuck you all. 
you're not going to turn this country into a like fucking banana republic. You're not going to fuck us over like you did to Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And so then the U.S. was like, oh, no, they're going to shoot us with like fucking nuclear weapons. We have to like hate Cuba and like whatever. I'm so, uh, the United wow. Fruit Company started to decline after the Cuban Missile Crisis, as many of its founders died, and its activities in Latin America became better known around the world. Wait a minute. Bananas didn't America. cure death? <laughs> no, and I'm waiting for a bunch of these old bitches that are running this country to fucking die. Seriously. Okay, so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Okay, so, so their companies are in decline. Uh, people are becoming more aware of what's happening in Central America. The Union of America and corporate interests in the exploitation of Central and South America was already notorious. So in the ensuing decades, Central America and South America would be consumed by the Cold War struggle, which even if communism wasn't happening, the U.S. just being like, oh, they're communists, like, you can't trust them, whatever. And then, like, the surrounding places, who knows, maybe they believed it. Or maybe they were like, we have no choice but to be communists because what you're doing is fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to join this side where, like, people have rights as opposed to your side where you're just coming in and, like, fucking us up and our neighbors and everything. Yeah, that's... Ugh. Ugh. I hate this. So, a lot of people at this time like growing up seeing like you know american imperialism coming into their their homes and their countries yeah. and just kind of like dismantling everything and then just like causing this vacuum of violence and revolutionary movements where that didn't even have to happen because they like elected they chose who they wanted to rule yeah. their countries and then they weren't supported and instead they were just like destroyed so for like for like decades after the united fruit gets involved in a country there's just like widespread violence and revolution and people trying to figure out like how do we solve this this problem that they created for us Ugh. so united fruit continued on through the 1960s it produced oh so the bananas became even more diseased as they went on uh -huh. the big mac died and then created the dessert banana Ooh. that most of us eat today. Ooh, I do like a banana split. That's nice. It's called the Cavendish. <gasps> oh, that's way fancier sounding than a Big Mac. <laughs> the Cavendish is supposed to be disease resistant, mm. but now it's dying. <laughs> So Black took over the company in 1970, imagining that he can turn it back around. However, in early 19 the early 1970s, it was like a really bad time for multinational corporations because people were like, "Fuck you guys." Yeah. Oil companies made huge profits from the crisis after the 1973 Middle East War, mm -hmm. and they also, you know, ruined countries and all that united fruit became an embarrassment and it was weak where like oil became strong then the stock market value crashed and regulators moved in and it looked like the banana situation was fucked so that's when the dude killed himself so after the fall of the berlin wall in 1989 in a born-again spirit of globalization, the world's main banana companies picked up the free market banner once carried by United Fruit. 
Chiquita, Del Monte, and Dole mm-hmm. from the U.S. Don't buy any of those brands. <laughs> Naboa from Ecuador. They didn't. They don't have like, you know, the presence that United Fruit did. Mm-hmm. But they're not. You know, they're not good. So they were known collectively as the Wild Bunch. The Wild In- Bunch. The bunch, like a bunch of bananas. The bunch, the wild bunch. Wild bunch of bananas. (laughs) I would advise not to buy them, even if they're not, like, you know, even if they're split up United Fruit, just, like, the terror. No, don't buy them. And then, like, look what Dole has done to Hawaii. Like, just don't support it. Mm -hmm. And other places, I'm sure, I don't know where else Dole is, but I'm sure they're everywhere. So in the 1990s, the U.S. took its case to the World Trade Organization, The companies protested that West European countries were unfairly protected producers of the fair trade bananas from European colonies through a complex system of quotas and licenses. The Wild Bunch characterized this as revamped colonialism and outmoded welfare statism and instead promoted their own free trade bananas. So eventually the Europeans backed down and agreed to become free trade bananas. But don't trust free trade bananas. It's just like rebranding. It's just like all fucking rebranding. So protests in Washington um, again allowed the banana companies to be manipulated by narrow interests. Some talked about the return of old dark forces. So the disease... The disease is still affecting a lot of today's bananas, mm-hmm. banana varieties. Uh, a lot of them aren't really able to survive mass production anymore. So bananas might, I don't know how they are now, but they might have had to change or they might still have to change to like more varieties of bananas being grown or smaller areas of land. Okay, so long term, the United Fruit Company was responsible for a large degree of environmental degradation. Mm -hmm. Degradation. Degradation. Yeah. (laughs) When it was at its thriving stage, during this time, forests were cleared, low swampy areas were filled in, and water systems were destroyed. Previously, the ecosystem had biodiversity, and now they had bananas. Right, I was just going to say, Farming yeah, techniques the, the also... land gets really shitty when you're just growing the same thing over and over again, because you're depleting it of all that's the, right. the, its nutrients and mineral, yeah. minerals. You have to grow certain things together to help each other out. Yeah. Farming techniques also led to the loss of biodiversity and caused harm to the land, and not to mention the long-term violence and revolutions happening in Central America that was caused by United Fruit. That shit is bananas. Fucking sucks. <sighs> Fine. So. I won't fucking eat bananas anymore. If you're going to eat bananas, just make sure they're coming from like... I got to go meet a local banana farmer somewhere. <laughs> just go down to Central America. Yeah. Find some banana farmer that you really resonate with, that you like what they're doing. They've got a nice little farm. they got 300 different kinds of bananas growing. It's like... I mean, that I do really good. Try, yeah. Banana trip. Why would you just pick one Once and then like overdo it? this pandemic is over, banana trip. <laughs> banana trip. Let's do it. Fuck you, Chiquita and Del Monte and fucking Dole. Fuck off. <laughs> Ugh, We're buying our God. small farm bananas. 
pay a little more, get like a better banana. Expand your banana world. There's just so many bananas out there that you never even knew existed. That's right. You've been eating the Cavendish your whole life. What about the other ones? What about them? That's just not fair. Pick a favorite. You gotta, you gotta pick a, the blandest banana. They pick like the blandest banana. They're like most people will like this one. It's like mm, great. <laughs> and then, then they like bred it, or they didn't even breed it. They just like cloned it to extinction. Yeah. So it's like fuck off. Like this shit doesn't work. This like mass farming doesn't fucking work. Nope. Buy local. Mass anything support doesn't local work. places. No, stop supporting big corporations. Happy holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Hope that you bought your presents from like, you know, small businesses and don't be getting bananas anytime soon. Do not be getting bananas. Unless you know where they're coming from and you approve. (laughs) Wow. I don't even. Yeah. Mm hmm money i mean we could like get into the whole free trade agreements thing we could get into the whole pesticides thing we get into like a lot more to this but it was already getting yeah you know that's infuriating enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) so god it just pisses me off that like all these long-term issues in these countries are all for fucking bananas yeah, I mean, it's all over greedy people. It's all about who want money. To, like, yeah, import fucking bananas. But I mean, for money, that's the thing. It's about getting the most well, yeah. amount of money that they can. But, like you overthrew governments yeah, that were doing right by their people. Get, because then you can just to make money. You can pay nothing for the labor and everything, and then just profit off of it. So yeah, it's all about money. You don't need that much money. You don't need to be able to donate a million dollars to, like, create a professorship at Harvard. You shouldn't even have that money. Mm-hmm. Like, give it back to the farmers. Why? Oh. Okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I'm not. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, man. Just saying, if I ruled the world, it'd look a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. Well, these bitches were tossed. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Tossed salad, for sure. They knew what they were doing. They're fucking shit up. Getting Getting the CIA and the U.S. government involved... Like, mm, mm-mm. Mm. All because you're, you're like, upset that they're going to, like, kick you out and you got to, like, tattle and then murder all their people because you're, like, fucking upset that you can't abuse them and use them anymore. Fuck you, United Fruit. Fuck you. Looking at you, Senorita Chiquita. <laughs> <laughs> I might, like, cute with your little fruit hat, but you're not fooling me. <laughs>
<laughs> Ugh, that's just yeah. it's all disgusting. I hate it. It is. Yeah. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Huh. Man. <laughs> like now I'm in a bad mood and then I have to tell you a story that's even like I mean, it's not more, you know, fucked up, but it's just a little bit more. Just just it's just like more fucked upness for this episode. Yeah, just like adding on to the already yeah, adding on. uncomfortable yeah. oh. anger inducing. <laughs> you know, I got my information basically from Murderpedia. <laughs> Okay. Cuz you know how sometimes it'll have like very like a lot of information they and have like a bunch some, of articles. And sometimes it'll yeah. just be like one or two. This one had a ton of articles yeah. and stuff. So I was like, oh. "Okay. Easy peasy. <sighs> Easy peasy beautiful cover girl, right? Banana squeezy. Okay. <laughs> Easy peasy banana. Do not squeeze the bananas. Don't touch them. <laughs> Don't even look at them. Don't even look at a banana. Don't ever think about bananas. Okay. So, <laughs> Or this relationship is over. <laughs> I will rip God, my tattoo right off. It almost I don't even ended give a us. Fuck. <laughs> it did. In my world, it did. In your world, it wasn't even a big deal. No, I barely even remember <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> it's so weird how different things affect different people mm-hmm. to different degrees. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so let me set the scene. 1992 in Dayton, Ohio, Christmas weekend. You know, all the children oh, are dreaming fitting. about what Santa's going to bring them. Um, I should have done like a Christmassy themed. I kind of. <laughs> so I wanted to. And I mean, this has nothing to do with it, but I was like, what were the popular toys of 1992? Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's fun. And you're like, let's get into something fun before we talk about all the. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let's distract a little I was like oh I have to say that uh, what about toys what did we get in 1992 and one of the most popular toys that year was creepy crawlers ooh you got creepy crawlers when we were I older I did it's basically a you know so cool. easy bake oven for plastic <laughs> like rubbery plastic though yeah yeah I don't Inhaling know how good fumes. that was it was really cool it was really cool though <laughs> Yeah, we made all kinds of bugs. Yeah. And then um, there was a Barbie dream house that was popular that year. Ooh, did it look cool? It looked dreamy and Ooh. pink, and naturally. Yeah. And there was also a thing called Barbie, Barbie Press Pretty Iron, which was a fake iron and an ironing board. And like the iron would heat up and you could iron your doll's clothes. Like, like Barbie size? Or no, like it was like size. little kid size. size. Children's size iron with an ironing board. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. No. <laughs> Do they have like creepy crawlers iron your <laughs> creepy crawler clothes iron? No. What the fuck? What are you telling little girls? Yep. Not Pretty that little press. boys weren't into Barbies. I'm just saying. That's so well, dumb. you know who their target market was. I know. <laughs> it's like, uh, Wow. That's... I wonder what warmed it. I think it was like an easy bake oven. Or just like a light bulb, bulb boy, yeah. <laughs> In the iron. I don't know. Oh Maybe you like. Who asked for an iron for Chris? That must have been some good marketing <sighs> if that was like the main toy. Mm-hmm. Really good marketing. Right? 
Yeah. Uh, it's so like I hate disturbing. ironing to this day. Oh well, maybe God. you would have liked it more if you had your pretty press iron. If I practiced. So you could have practiced. and Yeah. And, you know. I feel like a lot of Barbie clothes are, like, plasticky. I mean, it's not like it got hot enough to melt it. That's true. It was That's just, true. like, warm. <laughs> like, they're, like, trusting children with, like, a real iron. <laughs> yeah, no. Be careful. This button causes probably... the steam to shoot out. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably one of those things where you, like, fill it with warm water or, like, hot water. And then it's, like warm you oh, know mm-hmm. i doubt it had any electricity or anything <laughs> no yeah no <laughs> anyway that's not the point any the point of this it was a uh, christmas weekend okay so this couple named marvelous keen who was 20 and laura taylor who was 16 at the time i know yuck 16 and 20 uh, uh, i mean at least they're closer in age but yuck yuck Anyway. Uh, no, 16. No, too young. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had been together for about two weeks. And, you oh, know, God. I thought you were going to say two years. And I was like, no. no two weeks. <laughs> okay. They were inseparable during this time. Uh-huh. They were like, this Grooming. is mm-hmm. it. Everything is great. Mm-hmm. Let's say they didn't have money. Yeah. They right. kind of grew up in a not so good area. So okay. they're together and like they had spent what they had, what money they had on a hotel like one night yeah. or one weekend or whatever. And then they're like, right. well, fuck, we need money. So how are we going to get money? Right. So, you know, would they like most? Well, it's like Christmas time in Ohio. It's got to uh-huh. be fucking cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they did. Did they go apply for jobs? No. Of course not. Well, the one's 16. Yeah. Like, what kind of job are you going to get? I mean, 16. Y- you can get a job. Retail. Well, these days, it's like you need, like, six years of experience to work a but minimum this is, wage job. But this is 1992, so you could, you oh, could get where a... Oh, jobs are plentiful. <laughs> you know, get a... I don't know. Yeah. You could get a job. Yeah. Okay. But she didn't. They didn't. Sorry. Um... So Laura came up with an idea. See, she knew a man who dri- drives nice cars and always had money and were, you know, had a nice job and mm-hmm. she knew that he was willing to pay for sexual favors, which oh, no. the article put it like that and I'm not sure if it's a favor if you're paying. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that's not that's not a favor. <laughs> Pretty sure that's like a, a business mm-hmm. transaction. <laughs> mhm. But alas, she said she knew him and he would let them in his house and then they could rob him. Ooh, risky. Mm Mm-hmm. Risky. Okay. And Marvelous was like, that is a great plan. I'm going to pack some things, including two handguns. But before going, oh, also, they didn't have a car. So they're like walking around in in December in Ohio when it's cold. Um, So they walked from i think the hotel that they had been staying at to this apartment complex in inglewood court public housing where this older dude named bill lived and so bill had this apartment that he lived in and sold crack cocaine out of and this is the guy they're gonna rob no no this is so this is a different guy before they go to rob they're like let's go to bill's place because bill's place was kind of a uh this place where Laura and Marvelous and some other, you know, older teens, young adults would go hang out. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and you know do drugs and crash and just yeah. kind of it was just kind of like he had an open door like a flop house. yeah anyone could come in yeah. whatever and okay. so a lot of these kids would go there and it said that they were they'd often go to the courthouse or on they'd often go to courthouse square to go panhandling so mm -hmm. then and i guess that was kind of close to this complex so then they would just like go crash over there at night and right. party and there were typically about nine kids like nine core kids that would go hang out there and i say kids because they're all but they're all like late teens early 20s yeah still kids yeah um and this group called themselves the downtown posse yes i can say posse i know how to pronounce it now unlike last week when i said posse i don't I know mean, what i mean i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that's not that maybe it's posse it's you know. definitely posse both times <laughs> Well, I think you said like Jose Pose or something. I was trying to make it sound more, uh, I don't know, give it yeah. a flare. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's posse. I know. So this group included Marvelous Keen, Laura Taylor, Demarcus Smith, Nicholas Woodson, Heather Matthews, Wendy Cottrell, Marvin Washington, and Jeffrey Wright. You're not going to remember them, but they all come up later no. in different okay. times. Nine but they're all people. part of this group that would hang out. So, like, you know, obviously all these kids kind of had it rough. They're sleeping at a yeah. flop house, doing drugs right. and panhandling. Yeah. Um, Laura had been kicked out of her high school and hadn't seen her parents in weeks. Oh, God. Marvelous had dealt with the murder of his brother the year before in a foiled oh, robbery God. attempt. Okay, so, you know, he was all amped up and upset because of that, losing his brother. Yeah. So anyway, back to this. Laura called the man that she wanted to rob, whose name was Joseph Wilkerson. He was 34 years old, and she promised him an orgy. Oh. So before going to Joseph's house, Marvelous recruited a 20-year-old woman named Heather Matthews, who was part of the group, who had recently been um, released from prison. She's 20. Ugh, yeah. 20. Yeah. Oh. So from the crack house, the three of them walked three miles to Joseph's house at Prescott ah. on Prescott Avenue. Yeah. Okay. They go to the house and they have a drink with Joseph. And after a drink, Joseph and Laura went to the bedroom. After waiting briefly, Marvelous and Heather followed them. Joseph began taking off his clothes Laura and Heather pretended to do the same. Marvelous began to remove his own pants. Then he pulled them back on and drew a gun. He ordered Joseph onto the bed, then commanded Laura and Heather to, to tie Joseph's hands to the bed. Oh, my God. While Marvelous watched Joseph, Laura and Heather went through the house looking for things to steal. They took a microwave, a TV, a cordless phone, a curling iron, and a blow dryer which they then loaded into Joseph's Buick. They did all this for those items. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like nothing. Yeah. Joseph told Marvelous that he kept a thirty-two caliber Derringer in the garage. Marvelous went and found it, brought it back to the bedroom, and then shot Joseph in the chest with the gun from the garage. Uh, after after he covered him with blankets to muffle the noise, 
The two women ran into the bedroom after hearing the gun, and they saw Joseph convulsing. Oh, God. Marvelous handed Laura the Derringer, but it was jammed. He then handed her one of the handguns that he brought, and she shot Joseph in the head. The 16-year-old girl? Yep. Then they all hopped into Joseph's Buick and drove off. For a fucking microwave and a TV and a cordless phone. Um, And, and a, a curling, curling iron, iron and a hairdryer. <laughs> That's like cheap shit. Yeah. Okay. It's. Yeah. This story is really fucked up. <laughs> um, So, yeah, they, they took his car and they drove off. And then Marvelous made sure to tell his accomplices not to tell the others in the posse what had happened. I'm just going to put this out there. I don't think Marvelous is that Marvelous. <laughs> it's kind of a dick. Yeah. It's kind of that thing where when people are named words, they're usually the opposite of that word, you know? Interesting. In my Well, because I've always heard, like, be careful what you name your pet because they'll, like, live up to that name. <laughs> I think it's true with people in a way. But we all often. know that Toby is a never nude, so it kind of works. Kind of. Let's <laughs> see. That's funny. Do you know what's not funny? No, I the know. I don't want to. I'm stalling too now. <laughs> so, so it's Christmas Eve, and marvelous Laura and one of the other members of the gang, a guy named Demarcus Smith, who was Heather's boyfriend. So Heather was the other girl that went with them. Okay. They were walking around town looking for more people to rob. On Christmas Eve? Yep. Come on. They saw this one woman, um, and they started chasing her, but she ended up running to a police station. Lucky. So they moved on. Then they spotted 18-year-old Danita Goulet, who was using a payphone. Oh, God. Demarcus and Marvelous drew their guns and demanded that she take her shoes off. She complied. Then they shot her in the face and took her shoes and jacket. Uh, She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly. Laura ended up... I know. And she was the mother of a two-year-old girl. Oh, God. Yeah. That poor baby. Um, Laura ended up taking the jacket and wearing it while Demarcus carried her shoes. For a fucking jacket and shoes. They also grabbed her backpack or her purse or something. It said bag. They grabbed her bag mm-hmm. and it had mm-hmm. like 50 cents in it. Oh, God. Yeah. Five bullets went into her body. What the fuck? Just overkill. Mm-hmm. Someone called in gunfire to the police and there were witnesses that said they had seen a red Buick and that the people were driving and then police found bullet casings that were 25 caliber blazer bullets, which aren't rare at all, but it kind of, they kind of end up tying some things together eventually. But mm-hmm. so police are like, okay, what the fuck? So police didn't know about the first murder about Joseph because right. no one's found him yet. Okay. So they just find this 18 year old girl murdered for no reason mm-hmm. and her shoes and jacket were stolen. Right. Super weird. The gang is back. They, they go back to Bill's crack den to party it up. And Heather. On what? Like, I don't like. 
with what money they're not even stealing stuff that's like worth anything i have no idea but they brought the tv and the microwave there so they're all like cool we can watch tv and microwave hot pockets or something i don't know we can warm up our crack (laughs) (laughs) in the microwave nobody needs their crack pre-warmed um (laughs) okay so heather and wendy cotrill who was 16 and her boyfriend marvin washington who were 18 and a bunch of other people were partying there and then marvelous demarcus and laura came in and she like i said she was wearing the coat and she came in and she was like we shot her we shot her she bragged to heather she went through the pockets of the coat and in the bag and she found 50 cents that's it Uh, I thought they weren't going to tell the others. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't going to tell the others about Joseph. But she was, like, excited about it? Uh Uh-huh. The fuck? Mm Mm-hmm. I just... I mean, you can tell these kids have been through some shit, though. Yeah. So, and then DeMarcus was bragging about the murder, too. And then he, he, like, tried on Danita's shoes, and they fit him, so he wore them for the rest of the night and was, like, showing people his shoes. What a dick. Laura had also uh, held on to the 32 Derringer that they stole from Joseph's house. So she Mm-mm. she was kind of flashing her gun and showing them, like, being all hard and cool. And at some point that night, Heather and her ex-boyfriend, her ex-28-year-old boyfriend, she's 20, um, Jeffrey Wright, they had gotten into an argument that night. Okay, so Heather... Uh, because she's 20 and he's 28 and they don't have, like, similar <laughs> life experience. Right. But they're all part of this, like, group or whatever. Okay. And so, you know, Heather and DeMarcus are dating now. They're together okay. now. But her and Jeffrey used to be together and they got into an argument. That's and I awkward. guess Heather and Jeffrey started getting, like, physical in the, in oh, arguing. Wow. And so DeMarcus stepped in and he chased Jeffrey out of the apartment and into a nearby field and started firing his gun at Jeffrey. Oh, my God. And Jeffrey... Are there, like, no consequences for their actions? Like, they don't even... They just, like, there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It gets worse. Okay. So Jeffrey plays dead and then DeMarcus walks right up to him and for some... Like, he... It says he unloaded his gun into him, but for some reason it only hit his legs and Jeffrey was able to get up and run and he ran into a neighbor, into a neighbor's house and they called the police or something. Holy or got, shit. No, they didn't call the police because obviously they're not going to call the police, but they, but he was able to get medical help and he survived. Holy shit. Yeah. Christmas morning. Laura decided to hit up her ex-boyfriend, Richmond Maddox. And, the 16-year-old. Yeah. Okay. And she asked if he wanted to get a hotel room, wink, wink. But she really just wanted to rob and kill him. Right. I mean, why so stop now? he agreed to meet up. He picked her up, and they started driving to the hotel. And he noticed a car following him. In Ugh. in which Marvelous, Heather, and DeMarcus were driving. Laura told Richmond that it was just her cousins following to make sure they got to the hotel safely. It's like, this uh, is my backup, no. you know. No! <laughs> but Richmond got suspicious and stopped the car. Good. 
He then, for some reason, he hit the gas, and then Laura pulled a gun, and, or should I say Joseph's gun, and pointed it at his head, and then pulled the trigger. <gasps> she shot him in the head as he was driving towards a tree, and in some kind of action movie move, she opened the door and tucked and rolled out of the moving car door, and then... Like, I think she injured her arm or something, but she was, like, fine. And this car hit the, I think it was a truck, hit this tree and, like, obviously. What the fuck is happening? They're just <laughs> living in, like, this fantasy world where they're just, like, doing whatever the fuck and, like, rolling out of moving vehicles and shit. It's insane. I, I don't know. So, obviously, Richmond was murdered. When detectives got to the scene, at first they thought it was just a car accident because, you know, he hit the tree with such force that it, like, looked like a car accident. But then when some doctors at Good Samaritan Hospital were doing probably an autopsy, they found a bullet in his head. Yeah. And then... Did she even rob him? She just shot him. She just shot him. Okay. Not that robbing him would have made it any better at all well so one witness said that after hearing the crash he ran outside and saw two men standing next to the smashed car one man said to the other he wrecked your car and then the witness shouted at the and then the witness shouted at the men that he had just called the police and the two men started walking and and then a buick picked them up oh they're gonna steal his car too exactly oh okay yeah uh, but Laura fucked that up. <laughs> well, I'm glad he fucking wrecked the car then. Yeah, he got that nothing. That was like the last thing he did, because fuck you guys. So the gang decided that they would not be going to Wild Bill's Crack Emporium that night. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> they were going to go to Sandra Pinson's house. Sandra was the mother of one of the gang members. And oh the, my God. And the aunt of another, Both were one was 16 and one was 17. Okay. So all the kids started scheming of other ways to make money fast. They, they... weren't even making money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were getting cars because... Uh, They're terrible business people. So far from Joseph, they ended up getting two cars. <laughs> okay. So well, they didn't like... Did they sell the car? Like no. they're just driving around yeah. them. Yeah, because they don't have How cars. How are you going to afford gas no. for that car? <laughs> Got to steal. So... They decided that they were going to split up into two groups and take two cars. By this time, it was like two in the morning. and they're... How many are involved now? So riding in the Buick was Marvelous, Laura, Heather, and Demarcus. So the two okay. couples. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who else was in the other car, but that okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> so they decided to try their luck at a bank. And they, oh they were, my God. they were hoping that they, that, um, people would use like the ATNs outside the bank and then they could just rob them once they took their money out. Uh-huh. But also this is at 2 a.m. So who the fuck goes to an ATM at 2 a.m.? I don't know. Mm-mm. But they were waiting and waiting and no one really showed up. Well, I guess one. Well, they're obviously not the smartest group anyway. They're like. I guess one woman did show up to like go to the ATM, but she like noticed this one car just sitting there and she <gasps> yeah, got back in her car but... and left without without actually going up to the ATM. Yeah. Trust that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Trust your intuition. So they ended up moving on and they spotted a woman at a gas station who was putting air in her tires. 
Oh, no. Marvelous and DeMarcus got out of the Buick, and they pulled their guns out. DeMarcus shouted, shoot her! The woman ran away, luckily, and Marvelous and DeMarcus got into her car and drove it back to Sandra's house. So now they have three cars that they've stolen. Oh, my God. This is like Grand Theft Auto shit before that shit was even a thing. (laughs) There's like going around and pulling people out of their cars and taking them. Yeah. Yep, with no consequence, seemingly, Hmm. so far. So, how long? This is a span of like three days. Basically, it was like the well, like four, because we're at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So obviously they have no cash. So obviously, Marvelous and Demarcus decide that they need to rob a store. They could get some money out of the register or something. Mm -hmm. Laura picked out the store that they would rob. They all must be high as shit because these are the stupidest ideas. Oh, that's a good point. High and uh, high and dumb and young and dumb. Yeah. High dumb. Yeah. Hi, okay, well, I'm gonna stop talking. High young and dumb. High young dumb. Laura chose a smart st- a short stop mini mart where there were only a few people that usually were in there, and it was kind of an isolated market and mm-hmm. a seemingly easy target. Laura. Except for if there's no one in there ever, how are they going to have money? <laughs> They're not thinking about that. Okay. Laura went into the store first to case it. The plan was if she stayed in there a long time, that meant the coast was clear. So she went in and it was just her and a store regular. And so one, sor- one source said that the store regular was named Jimmy Thompson and he was 71 and then there was a oh. and then there was a clerk named Sarah Abraham whose family owned the store. So it was like uh-huh. family owned. And then her assistant Jones Pettis. But another source said that the regular was named Jones Pettis. So I don't know. Hmm. But also just a little PSA: don't rob from small family-owned businesses. Yeah. I can leave them alone. They're struggling as it is. I know. Jeez. Okay, okay, so Laura was in there and she asked Sarah how much a certain drink cost and she was short on change. So she asked Jimmy or Jones, whichever one was the actual mm-hmm. customer, if he could give her a nickel so she could buy the drink. And he did. He was like, sure, no problem. Gave her the nickel. And then that's when Marvelous and Demarcus came in the store. They pulled out their guns and demanded that Sarah open the cash register. She did as she was told and removed the $44 yeah. that was in the yeah. register and handed it to them. And then Marvelous just shot her in the head. Oh, God, poor thing. And DeMarcus shot Jimmy and Jones, who both played dead and survived. And they were able oh to God. provide witness statements and testify in court later. I just like the feeling I'm getting from this is like all these kids, like mm-hmm. younger adults and kids, basically, maybe just didn't feel like they ever had power in their own lives. And mm-hmm. this is just like a major power trip where they're just going in and shooting innocent people, basically being like, well, I get to choose who lives and dies. It's just like this huge yeah, fucking power trip. Definitely. Definitely seems like they're... And when you're that young and your brain isn't fully formed yet... You don't see the consequences and shit. Yeah, you're still making stupid decisions. No one can tell me what to do. Feeling indivisible? (laughs) Invincible. What's the word? Invincible. Invincible. And that, like, 
not realize not having the empathy to realize that like your yes. actions have effects on other people and not just the people that you're directly in contact with but their family mm-hmm. and their friends yeah yeah all these people that, that people they're... everyone has lives and problems you don't know or understand mm-hmm. yeah so detectives were able to get a description of the perpetrators and the car they came in and yeah, they're dumb. they also noticed that the bullets in this case were similar to the ones found at the murder scene of Danita. And actually, like, you know, they just, they were like, oh, well, they're the same, like, shell casing, I mean, the same brand and everything. But then when when yeah. they actually took them to the lab, they saw that they were they fired from the... whole line-em-up thing they, under they the They did the line-em-up, and they... Yeah. Well, no, I think these that are That always the, looks fun. I feel no, like these I could are, do that job. I think these are the casings that they're looking at, right? So they're looking at, like, the oh. hammer mark. Okay. Mm-hmm. I could do that job, too. <laughs> These things look the same. These ones look different. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> God. So back at the house the gang is at, Marvelous and Demarcus were getting nervous that too many people knew about their involvement in the murders. Oh, why? Because they're telling everyone and they're fucking <laughs> yeah. driving around and basically just shooting whoever? Mostly they were worried. In front of witnesses and shit? <laughs> yeah. Well, they were mostly cons- worried about the other members of the gang that weren't directly involved in the murders. Mm, paranoia yeah. symptom mm. of crack cocaine. Crack. Mm. Mm, crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they were also worried about the cars that they had stolen. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, now they had three. So what they did was they took the license plate off all three cars and just mixed them up. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> And and they also like parked them kind of like a couple blocks away from where they were staying, from Sandra's mm, house. So clever. So clever. They're so clever. <laughs> they they felt that Wendy Catrill and Marvin Washington would snitch on them for shooting Jeffrey that night at the crack den party. Were they not involved in any of this? Nope, not yet. Okay. In fact, Demarcus was convinced that Mar- Marvin had already snitched to the cops. Oh, my God. So Marvelous, Laura, Heather, and Demarcus invited Wendy and Marvin to go drive around with them. No. So they were like, okay, cool. You guys are all part of the gang. Let's go on a drive. And first they went to a drive through liquor store. <laughs> Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> and they got some drinks, some, like, beer and wine, and they just, like, kind of passed it around the car and hung out well, i guess the one's like 28 or whatever so. no no the 28 year old was the one that got shot at oh they're all like under 20 how are they getting alcohol i have no idea fake ids i don't okay continue <laughs> i guess okay. that's not the thing to get hung up on no that's not <laughs> and just as an added bonus apparently wendy was pregnant with marvin's baby at the time oh god so they're drinking and driving around, and at one point, Marvelous wanted to go visit his brother's gravesite, so they drove to the cemetery and, you know, hung out there mm-hmm. for a minute, and then they got back in the car, and they were driving around, and Marvelous said he had to pee, so he pulled into a city gravel storage area. I never realized that cities for had so much gravel. gravel. 
that they needed to store. I don't know if it's Dude, like a, it... a gravel pit or like a quarry or something where like they're yeah get, like I don't know that it was just described well, it's the as storage for the quarry. Maybe it was just described as a city gravel storage area. Which do you use more gravel if there's snow in your state? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Maybe to like. I don't know. Okay, I don't want to. Maybe I, they have like a lot of gravel roads or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it's like where gravel is made. I don't know. I don't want to say things that okay. I'm not sure. Anyway, of. gravel storage. I know we <laughs> shouldn't speculate. Like gravel okay, storage gravel area. Storage area for the Wait, city. What did you see before that? So they. So they're just say dr- something and then I lost it. They're okay. they're driving around. Went to a few places and then. Mm-hmm. They're like he's like oh I have to pee I'm gonna pull into this because like the oh unlock. what I was gonna say is that car must have been huge there are six people in that it's a, car yeah it's a Buick like a like the a bench boat. seat in like the front kind of a thing you know? yeah okay. mm-hmm. um and they pulled in and they got out and then you know he was like all right went and peed and then he came back and he told Wendy and Marvin to get out of the car pulled him and demarcus pulled their guns out and wendy and marvin both begged for their lives and swore that they never snitched they were both shot in the head multiple times and left in the gravel and dirt and their pockets were gone through and turned inside out okay chances are they didn't have anything no they didn't have anything (laughs) god damn it Nicholas Woodson, who was part of the posse, uh, he ended up calling the police to tip them off because he was a, he's, he was starting to fear for his life. Mm-hmm. And he gave, I would be terrified. Yeah, and he gave the full name of Demarcus Smith and the first name Heather, and then he could only describe Marvelous and Laura because for some reason he didn't know their names, even though he was in the gang. I don't know. Maybe he was just more afraid of them. I'm not sure. Okay. He also said that he had been in possession or that they had been in possession of three cars lately, a red Buick, a blue Grand Am and a black Dodge Shadow. And he informed them that there was a body they didn't know about, Joseph Wilkerson. He said that he had been at Joseph's house days after the murder at a party the posse held at the man's house. Oh, my God. While he lay dead in the bedroom. Oh, my God. Detectives found him credible and spread the info to other cops to be on the lookout it's for these super cars. Brave. Yeah. And that the people they were looking for were armed and dangerous. The day after Christmas, the sergeant was driving around when he spotted a black Dodge Shadow that he had never seen in that area before. Because I guess it was like a hobby of his, like when he couldn't sleep or when he was just like, I don't know. He liked to drive around all the neighborhoods a lot. He just drove and drove and drove. And so he knew, sure. like, what cars were usually on what block. And he sees this black I mean, Dodge that's, Shadow. That's good that he had that hobby then. I know, right? And he was like, I'd never seen it before. So he looked at he looked up the license plate. But the plate belonged to a blue 1989 <laughs> Pontiac Grand Am registered what? to Joseph Wilkerson. Amazing. The sergeant turned down an alley with the intention of turning his car around so he could park away from the shadow, but like, you know, kind of behind it. Mm-hmm. While he was turning around in this alley, he spotted he spotted a 1989 Pontiac Grand Am with no back license oh. plate. 
So he got out and checked the front plate, which was the original plate from the Dodge Black Shadow. They just switched the (laughs) back plate? What? So he called it in and requested backup Uh to help set up surveillance on the vehicles. But just as he called in in for backup, he saw the Dodge Shadow start driving away. Oh, God. The car drove two blocks, and then one of the four people got out and ran. The sergeant focused on the car and the three other suspects. Other cop Was he in a cop car or no? I think, yeah, he was. Okay. Other cop cars were in pursuit, and then an unmarked car blocked the shadow in, and all the cops had their guns drawn, and they were all yelling at the three to get out, get out of the car. All three complied. They got out. And police found a handgun underneath the driver's seat. Marvelous was wearing one of Wendy's necklaces. And he was wearing Danita's jacket. In his pocket was a pocket knife that belonged to Joseph Wilkerson. Idiot. Then a witness told detectives where the fourth person in the car had run off to. And gave them the address of Sandra Prinson. So detectives go to Sandra's house and they ask to come in and she was like, fine, okay, come in. And they asked if anyone was home and she said no. But then they heard footsteps and a guy Mm -hmm. came down the stairs. Detectives asked who he was and he said he was Dion, her son. They checked the rest of the house and they found Sandra's boyfriend, Earl, upstairs. Er (laughs) Earl, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> like a clown card. Spark. More people keep coming out. <laughs> Earl told detectives that the other guy was not Dion, but was Demarcus Smith, the guy they had been looking for. The detectives <sighs> placed him under arrest, and while doing this, they tell Demarcus to get dressed since he was only wearing pants. And when he opened the closet to get his clothes, they saw Danita's shoes. Hmm. Sandra told detectives that the gang had been staying at her house the past couple oh, days God. but that her and earl were afraid to say anything because they all had guns so you know they got all this information and then they're like we got to go check out joseph's house because we still haven't gone mm-hmm. over there when they got there they found no signs of forced entry and the door was unlocked but nobody was answering when they knocked right so they entered and the house was a mess the living room was tossed all the furniture was overturned items were scattered they could tell that a tv was missing because like on the little table that it was on was like covered in dust except for like the square where the tv was right um they went into the kitchen and that was a mess too all the cabinets and drawers were just like spilled open and tossed Mm -hmm. uh they they noticed that a microwave was missing from its little nook yeah every room they entered had been trashed Then they got to Joseph's bedroom. His body was laid out spread eagle on his bed in the middle of the room. His hands were tied to the bedpost with electrical cords. His face and chest were covered with bloody blankets. He had gunshot wounds to his chest and his right eye. In the sheets, they found a bullet casing, the same type that they had found at the murders of the previous few people. It's all coming together. Mm -hmm. Detectives finally admitted to themselves what they had feared, that these murders were all connected and that they had some kind of spree killer or killers 
because none of it made sense. So that's even like more dangerous because you don't you don't know who the targets are. It could be anyone at any time, and you don't well, know how it was many anyone people. at any time. Right. That's right. Which yeah, which is like you can't it's predict terrifying. where they're going. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It's terrifying. So they had all they had four, they had all four in custody, and they were all separately interrogated. Marvelous, Demarcus, and Heather started talking immediately. They told just about everything except for their involvement with Wendy and Marvin, the fellow posse members. Yeah, because their bodies hadn't okay. been found yet. Oh, so, so they're they probably just answering the questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, police don't know that they're dead. So, detective said that Marvelous was very cooperative and respectful, and that he that it was hard to imagine he had been involved in these murders. He was like very. That he was like orchestrating them too. He, yeah, he was very polite and would say like "Yes, ma'am" and "Yes, sir" and like you know. What happened? I don't know. Heather, who had never pulled the trigger in any murder, made a deal so that she would avoid the death penalty, and she, right, you know, was like, "I will tell you as much as I know." And they seem to think that she gave the most complete statement of events of the three of them that were talking. Yeah. But Laura said she didn't want to talk and she asked for a lawyer. Smart. Uh-huh. A detective said none of them showed any remorse, but at least God. the uh, but at least the other three, you got the impression that they realized the consequences of their actions. But Laura couldn't have cared less. Or at least it seemed to me. Wow. He also said, they were just killing people randomly for nothing. Literally nothing. There was not even a motive in these cases. It was just for fun. Yeah. It had been Laura's idea to rob the shortstop mini-mart. She didn't shoot anyone there, but she had cased the place for Marvelous and Demarcus. It had been her idea to entice Joseph with sex and then rob him in his home. After Marvelous shot Joseph in the chest, Laura finished him with the second shot to hit to the head. It had been... So she's the one that's orchestrating it all. Uh-huh, this little 16-year-old. Mm. It had been her idea to rob and kill her ex-boyfriend, Richmond Maddox. And she used the same Derringer to put a bullet in his head. But... Because of her age and her sex and maybe her small stature, local civil rights activists viewed her as an unwilling accomplice. They pressed for her release and she was transferred what? to the youth detention center. There well, I mean, I do think that she should be in like some kind of youth prison because she's young, but... Mm-hmm. Whoa. There she was counseled by Reverend William Head... Chief investigator no. of the Daytona beat Daytona branch of the NAACP. Reverend Head. I just don't feel like reverends should be counselors. <laughs> That's my own. Especially when your name is Head. I don't know. Reverend Head. It's kind of molesty. Anyway. Reverend Head called the de- the lead detective to inform him that his client provided him with info on two more murdered people, Wendy and Marvin. So police go to the crime scene and investigate and collect evidence and more shell casings that match the other murders. So their fate was pretty much sealed. Yeah. 
Marvelous Keen, Demarcus Smith, Laura Taylor, and Heather Matthews were all convicted of the murders and robberies. Laura and Heather are at the Ohio Reformatory for Women in Marysville. Laura will be eligible for parole in 2098. And okay. Heather in 2,132. How do you say that in a... 2,132. 2,132. <laughs> in 2,132. 2,132. <laughs> Marcus is at the Mansfield Correctional Institute and won't be eligible for parole until 2,123. And Marvelous mm-hmm. was on death row at Mansfield Correctional after receiving five death sentences. Wow. When he was asked if he had any last words, he said no, and he was put to death on July 21st, 2009. Wow. I think it's kind of weird that he was the only one that got yeah, the death I was gonna say penalty, that. but I know like Heather made a deal, and then Laura was like, oh, I'm a juvenile, and she lawyered up, so then, and I, I don't, and I don't know what about DeMarcus, but. Right. Hmm. Mm. That sucks. Yeah, just mindless violence. But it's like you said, it's kind of like lashing out, like being in like yeah. a vulnerable state and feeling like you need control and that no one's like paying attention and you're having to panhandle and live at a crack den and yeah. like fuck everyone. And who knows what that's doing to your brain, like, you know, getting high all the time and like hanging out with other people who are kind of in that same Especially place at that you age are, when your brain isn't where you fully don't formed. see any way out. Yeah. And you're just yeah, no consequences. And then especially like with the older people there, if they started when they were young, then their brain kind of just like stops developing mm-hmm. at that point. If you're just like high all the time and whatever, like you're not getting more skills and like de- developing further. So it's like they're all stuck in this weird space of just well and when you're in that socioeconomic place where like you it is basically hopelessness like you can only if you want to make more money or like enough money to survive you've got to do something like sell crack or like rob people or do something well and demarcus whose brother died in a robbery it's like his uh, life marvelous oh marvelous sorry marvelous and marvelous is probably thinking well i'm not gonna live long either like people don't really live long here so i'm not expecting to like so i better you know i don't need to get a job and get retirement and all that because i'm not even gonna live long well not only that i gotta like live life it's not really an option for people that are poor (laughs) you don't get to get a job that has retirement when it was available Well, that's true i mean they don't really have them anyway but yeah, no. I'm just thinking, like, long-term, you don't really have long-term plans because no. you don't really have hope that you do have a long-term. Yeah. Well, it's just sad. But then they, like, yeah. just destroy... I mean, he saw his brother die, and he can't put himself in other people's shoes to be like, oh, maybe they have, like, a brother who would be devastated by their death or, like... Yeah, well, I guess when, um, like, before he was actually put to death, you know, they do, like, the uh, hearings and stuff to see if there will be, like, clemency yeah. hearings or whatever. Um, right. And he refused to go to his hearing and he told his lawyer that like she wasn't to stand up for him or say anything that would get him mm-hmm. off. And so they, t- they were like, okay, at least that kind of points to him maybe having some remorse. And I think he had said yeah. something about like, he didn't want to affect the families again. So he would just rather not Put say anything. That. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe Ugh. towards the end he saw his error. I don't know about the others because they're all still in prison. I mean, what they did was horrible. Mm -hmm. 
I just don't know that like that. I mean, if he's the only one put to death, like why didn't they just give him life in prison too? Yeah, I don't know. That's just tragic. It's fucked up. They affected so many lives and destroyed their own lives at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Ugh, horrible. So I don't know. I don't know I that don't toss know. salad or scrambled egg fits. I think it's just like I don't know what. Yeah, a bad like a bad situation made worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was 16. Like, her parents hadn't heard from her in, like, weeks, so who knows what their relationship was like anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, if she feels that, like, like, staying at a crack house is, like, better for her than staying at home. I don't know what her home life was like. Well, and, yeah, like, getting kicked out of high school. Like, you really don't have a future if you don't finish. You got to finish high school or at least get your GED or, you know. Something. So, yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Horrible. Let's do some crime and Six. Okay. And now for the portion that we like to call Criminy Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, so after those two awful, awful stories, <laughs> let's do some Criminy Six. All right. I got a few of these stories from OnlyInYourState.com. Parents can sometimes be at a loss when it comes to finding the perfect gift for their children. A man in Seidel thought he had the perfect solution. According to police reports, he robbed a pet store, taking the cash register and a couple of snakes. When he was asked by police why he committed the crime, he said it was for his son's Christmas present. Oh, cash and (laughs) snakes. snakes, Whatever a young boy wants. If you're dressed as Santa Claus and plan on committing a robbery, it only makes sense to come in through the chimney, right? This less than foolproof logic was used by a man Uh in Seattle as he attempted to rob a house. (laughs) Before any real crime was committed, he actually got stuck in the chimney and had to be helped out by the fire department. You can't go down a (laughs) chimney. You can't. You're going to get stuck. Or if they have that thing, like that insert, that like mom and dad have the like wood stove insert, you're not getting out of there. That thing's fucking tiny. Yeah. And well, the confused criminal claimed that he was just trying to retrieve his backpack. That ended up in their chimney somehow. He's like, look, I was walking around the roof. I was doing my roof to roof thing dressed yeah. as Santa. I mean, just not spreading just, joy you know, to the children. The boots on the roof. Yeah. That's right. So the parents can be like, "Do you hear that?" And then I was like swinging around my backpack, and I accidentally let go, and it went right, right down, down the, the chimney. Can you and believe it? I just it? thought I could reach it. Right but, down. Uh, I can't. Uh, nope. Well, and also, like, don't people leave their flues closed? I don't think it was well thought out at all. <laughs> I mean, clearly. Well, he was sentenced to 17 months in prison for his little stunt. I mean, I've heard of people like dying stuck in chimneys. I don't know if that's like a, what do you call it? Like just a creepy story or whatever. But I've heard of people like going down because they get like super narrow and then you can suffocate because you can't get out. Yeah. Well, that's how people die in caves and stuff too. They suffocate? Oh God. Have you ever watched those cave? Yes. My hands sweat every time. Oh, God, I can't. I cannot take yeah, it. Yeah, in fact, I can't remember exactly what that cave is, but there's one where the body is still there because they couldn't go in. They couldn't get him because of how narrow it was. 
Yeah. They just like squeeze through these tiny little spaces. Just don't. You're not a cat. Don't go uh, through the little space. You're not liquid like a cat. Just yeah, stay don't... out of the small spaces. Oh, God. Small st- uh, and the really, really high up videos of people on like radio towers fixing them. Ooh. Or the ones that are just like walking around with like nothing tying them to anything. And they're just like, Ugh. they do like a flip on the ledge. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stop that. Yeah. Oh, God. Or like all those stories you hear about people doing like their yoga poses on cliffs for pictures and no, they fall off the cliff and uh, fucking yes. die. God it's damn like, it. yeah, why are you risking it? Just Photoshop, learn Photoshop, and then you can do mm-hmm. any yoga pose Get a green anywhere. screen. <laughs> you fucking do that shit anywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-mm. I don't know if we've told this story before. It like sounds similar to one that we've told, but uh, this one's from lawandcrime.com. It was a pretty unnerving event in 2011 when a boy, then 11 years old, spotted a 44-year-old burglar stranger in his Vandalia, Ohio home. Which, I like that they put burglar stranger. Like, well, it could have been a like, burglar I mean, family a member. <laughs> <laughs> Those Terry damn burgling strangers. Yeah, like, you gotta watch out for them. They come through your chimneys. You can only burgle yeah. your friends and family. <laughs> Terry Trent described high on bath salts had (laughs) broken into the home, but fortunately he didn't mean any harm. What he actually did was put up a, put up Christmas decorations and lounge around. He lit candles, hung a wreath on a garage door, then kicked back and watched some TV with the volume turned up loud. No one disclosed what he was watching, but we're just going to hazard a guess. It was a Christmas themed. The 11-year-old boy saw what Trent was doing around the house and called his mom, who was actually next door at the time, at a neighbor's. Trent was described as polite and said to the child, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I'll get my things and go. Oh my god, the 11-year-old was home by himself? Yes! (gasps) Oh my god, that's terrifying. just decorating and watching TV Also, was it like... Did he like go in their garage and find their Christmas decorations? Or did I don't he come know. with his own. <laughs> yeah. That is a good question. A wreath on the garage. <laughs> <laughs> that poor kid. I'd have a heart attack if I was like eleven. Left. I mean, if I was this age and left at home alone, and someone just breaks in and starts decorating, uh, I'd freak the fuck <laughs> out. But at eleven, for sure, because yeah. you're like, what do I do here? <laughs> know it's a tough situation the guy's like don't worry kid i'm just a christmas elf ah yes i'm just spreading the christmas spirit doesn't one come to your house house. every year i don't understand (laughs) got my bag full of wreaths that i bring around town (laughs) i hope he was watching christmas movies yeah like he's the guy that comes before santa you gotta have the decorator elf yeah you gotta prep do the magic and then santa comes so you got like a lot of people breaking and entering during the holidays it's totally right Right. I mean, Santa's kind of like a rock star where he has like a writer where he needs like right. cookies and milk, you know, yeah, and like decorations yeah. and yeah. the stockings hung up. And, you know, he's got his list of things that he needs. And that's his true. Roadies just go around and do it for him. And I mean, if you can't if if you can't like get anything set up, then you're just going to get coal. That's so right. It's, you're, it's more if it's not up to, to snuff, do he's going to turn right around and leave. Yeah. It's like, well, I brought you this PlayStation, but I'm going to leave Cole instead. That's right. Yeah. 
Santa does not like a gluten-free cookie. I'm just going to say that. I mean, it's kind of funny how Santa only visits people, you know, who have money to (laughs) afford the decorations and stuff. That's what I'm saying. You got to have the prep. (laughs) He does not come to just any old home. He does not. Mm -mm. He does not. He's a bit of a diva. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, have you seen his outfit? (laughs) Fur cuffs boots with the fur boots with the fur those apple bottom jeans and boots (laughs) with the fur damn santa's looking hot this year with the fur uh i got this information from the same source as the last one in 2014 at walmart Ah. in the weeks leading up to christmas terrace scott and gerard dupree allegedly hatched a plan whereby Dupree would fake a heart attack to distract security and the other would steal a motorized Barbie car and vacation (gasps) house. Barbie vacation house? Yes. What? That's like the best. And the car? Mm -hmm. It would have been quite a haul as those items were worth $369. And Whoa. that's four years ago. I don't know when. Okay, well, this article was written in like 2018, obviously. Um, this iteration of I've fallen and I can't get up fooled people at first. But Dupree oh. casually got up, left the store slowly, and met up with Scott outside. They drove off in the same car. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this was all caught on surveillance camera. The two would later be charged with grand theft. They also had 30-plus arrests between the two of them. Oh, God. That could have been planned way better. Like, meet her around the corner or something, right? Be like, oh, my God, you know what? It was just a panic attack. I've had these before. I know what it is. I just need to go walk outside, get some fresh air. Thanks for your concern. You just then take that Barbie Hot corner. Wheels out. You just drive it. Just Step on it. Back. Get the fuck out. <laughs> go. Go. I could just imagine him like ripping open the box and pulling out the Barbie Jeep and getting in and like jamming on the pedal, but like the box says batteries not included or whatever. <laughs> it's like ah oh, fuck. Oh yeah. Um, and then this last one is I I would just like to say the hero that we all need and oh. deserve in our life. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is brought to us by the Daily New the New York Daily News. A man claiming to be Santa Claus was arrested in January when police discovered him giving stocking stuffers at a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant, according <laughs> to the Monterey Herald. Police booked the apparently well-intentioned but clueless Randy Lang, 57, on charges of furnishing marijuana. After the man allegedly entered the sports bar carrying a duffel bag (laughs) packed with two pounds of Christmas cheer, which he then began doling out among the patrons. That's very generous. Right? Lang entered the restaurant and began approaching customers, declaring that he was Santa Claus, (laughs) not simply some dime a dozen imposter, and handing them chunks of ganja wrapped in napkins. Lang even stuffed a large amount of the substance into the bar's tip jar before cops caught up with him. (laughs) The people working were like, quick, quick, get it out, get it out of the jar. Gotta hide it, quick. (laughs) I think, like, that man is a hero. Did it say where the Buffalo Wild Wings was? (laughs) Uh, 
So he risked it all just to bring holiday cheer. According to this, if it's from the Monterey Herald, it might be from California. Although I'm sure there's like a Monterey every state. All the states use the same names for everything. It's like not that creative. (laughs) Wow. Well, I I mean, I just think. What would you have done? You just like secretly pocket it and like sneak out when the police are there. You're like, oh, yeah. darn, I didn't get any weed. Oh, he was about to come to me, but I'm just going to go home didn't. now. <laughs> damn, damn. I mean, what a beautiful thing. That's very <laughs> kind. Yeah. I mean, he could have like wrapped it ahead of time. You know, that might have been a little quicker way to do it. But hey. Well, I'm wondering where, I mean, unless he's just a you know a pot farmer who had like a surplus that year and was just feeling extra generous like what if he just what if he stole it from somewhere and had to get rid of the evidence really quick but then why would he give it to people that doesn't make any sense well you want to smoke two pounds really quick (laughs) (laughs) that's like a decent amount of weed that's a good amount of weed yeah yeah i mean relatively speaking but right to try and dispose of two pounds I mean, he had a duffel bag full. That's right. It's been either shitty weed or like a pretty, like little duffel bag. <laughs> I'm just like trying to imagine what two pounds. Who knows? Maybe it was really shitty and he couldn't sell it. So that he was just like, might as well give it away. Stuff it all in this duffel bag and. Yeah, maybe they were just like all the little buds that like. He was like, I'd just rather give it, give it away. Yeah, spread how the cheer. generous. He was spreading he's, the He's Christmas the real green. Santa. That's right. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. I wish everyone would be so generous. Uh, yeah, let's all take a page from Santa. Randy, Randy Lang. Randy Lang. Santa Randy Lang Claus. <laughs> <laughs> let's all be generous with each other because times are tough. Yeah. We could all, you know. Give away two pounds of something or other of our own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That was a good one. Good job. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Yep. Anyway, thanks for listening again. And (laughs) check out Humblebee Herbal at humblebeeherbal.com. That's right. Get any gifts. Also, this year, since Christmas is kind of weird, and I'm sure the other holidays have been pretty weird, if you, you know, want to postpone or still get people gifts that don't necessarily have to go on a certain day or whatever, just be generous. Get get someone you care about, something nice. Wrap a nug in the napkin. Everyone <laughs> loves a nug in a napkin. Give it to someone at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but... <laughs> I mean, there should be like a smoking section at Buffalo Wild Wings where you could get high before Napkin you have to nugs. eat that gross food and like, you know. <laughs> Napkin nugs. Before that gross food turns into the best thing you've ever tasted in your life. Oh, God. Yeah, anything fried. Oh, so good. Chicken wings. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. I don't know that sure. I've ever actually eaten at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I've never wings, even but, uh... seen a Buffalo Wild Wings, I don't think. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think I have either. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, well. (laughs) Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. 
uh rate review subscribe reach out to crimeny podcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us anything or give us any crimeny sakes or yeah just say hi just say hi we you will got talk any napkin at you next nugs week. You want to send our way? <laughs> Ooh, napkin nugs. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna call. It, yeah, any kind of like. Bits I just of feel like the napkin is getting like all wrapped up around the weed, and you know how I feel about that. It's just like I just want to gag. Well, I guess like napkin. smoking napkins better than like eating a napkin. It's not. I mean, unless it's like the stickiest bud yeah, ever. It's not like sticky, the icky, icky. napkin is just gonna stick to i know what i'm just imagining like how sticky like never mind this no. is my own issue. this person's giving away two pounds i don't think it's like that sticky <laughs> yeah i don't think it's the good stuff anyway <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>